Well, the Michigan State football season has not been great, but one of the greatest trophies in all of sports, the Old Brass Platoon, is on its way back to East Lansing after the Spartans defeated the Hoosiers 24-21 last Saturday. The win improves the Spartans' record to 4-7 and and gives them a chance to match last year's record with another rivalry win over Penn State. MSU's coaching search also seems to be heating up ahead of an expected announcement in the coming weeks. We will discuss all that, plus the basketball team getting back to its winning ways on episode 128 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Tuesday, November 21st, 2023. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We appreciate you listening. Uh, Kyle, Matt, hope you are doing well uh, as well. Uh, are the Thanksgiving plans finalized? Uh, mine will probably be like an In-N-Out burger somewhere in Southern California. Um, <laughs> okay. So no, not finalized yet, but you know, that's, that's Michigan State beat writer life. I wasn't sure if you were going, so that's, that's yes. good to hear that you're Yes, I will be there. Here. I will be uh, at, at the in-laws in Metro Detroit Thursday and waiting for the, the game on Friday. Little Lions action, little Michigan State action. Kyle just teased it there. We will, uh, we'll get into that game later in a little bit here. I wanted to start with football though, Matt. I mean... Obviously, it's not the season that we have wanted or fans have wanted, um, or even if you're covering the team, it's been, I guess, interesting, but uh, a lot of boring games when it comes to the actual games. But Michigan State does get the win against Indiana. They kind of, you know, um, make up for last year's loss, which quite frankly cost them a, a bowl game, and they they get it done. It was a little bit uh, back and forth affair there. But in the end, you know, Caden Hauser, I think, showed some stuff kind of growing up and, and leading a drive there. And finally, Matt. Malik Carr, the real Malik Carr has stood up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, you knew he had this this potential. You knew what his, his, his physical attributes, you know, his the size, the speed, the hands, everything. You're just waiting for it to show up on a consistent basis. And obviously it hasn't, but we saw that on, on Saturday at Indiana. I mean, he was... He was the, their their toughest matchup, obviously. He was, made, you know, career highs and, and you know, obviously the the, the touchdown catch to, to to win the game was was quite an impressive individual effort. So, yeah, I really like what what, what you saw from from Lee Carr on, on last week, and and look for that to continue this week. I guess you know you know he had missed a couple of games, two and a half games, um, and then yeah, you know he he delivered. So he caught basically anything that went his way last week. He he was hauling in. So um, yeah, impressive effort from him. And yeah, Hauser, I thought you know he you saw some things you know it's it's fun it's weird because you know he'll almost throw like a terrible pick one play and then the next play it's you know you know great throw and and um yeah and he, you know he it was his his opportunity to, to lead a, a late touchdown drive and, and he put it together he had a what do you have like a 15 yard scramble there on that drive i think was something like that but you know they had a what fourth and three i think can he hit car and then yeah i mean it was it gave my chance to build some confidence, obviously, moving forward and, and you know, just something positive to build on, you know, because there hasn't been a ton of that this season, obviously, and, and offensively, obviously, for Michigan State. Yeah, Malik Carr goes nine for 100, two touchdowns, 11 yards of catch. Montori Foster, seven for 93 and a touchdown, also had a really impressive play on that touchdown catch. Uh, Caden Hauser, 26 for 41, 245, three touchdowns, the two picks. I mean, that's just going to come with being a young quarterback. Some of those throws, not quite there yet. But I got to cut you off. All those stats you just listed were wrong because the stat crew was a disaster. 
last week. Oh, but is is it is it not right on ESPN? I assume they corrected it. No, no. All right. So Hauser was twenty five of thirty nine for two seventy nine. Carr oh. had seven catches for one nineteen. Foster. So, yeah, I mean, what it was. <laughs> So is this high school football, Matt? What is going on here? A little insight. <laughs> as Kyle suggested, I should have treated it like a high school game and kept my own stats. Um, it was the inside baseball thing is there's a program called stat broadcast that all the, all the college games are all, those are where the official stats are held. You know, occasional there, there's a hiccup here or there or whatever, but it was like, I don't even think it was, what was it, like late first quarter before they even started like starting to put start stats start rolling in from before and they're getting it together. And then you're noticing like, well, that's not right. That's not right. That's not right. That's not right. So after the game, I'm like, all right, well, maybe the printed game book will have, you know, real numbers. And nope, that was a, that was a mess too. So literally what, what I was told was that it was like the third string stat crew that Indiana had brought in because the first team was whatever gone and the second team canceled and these these guys were just scrambling. And basically somebody at Indiana, multiple people probably, had to go back and rewatch the entire game and redo all the stats. So we got the update Sunday night. Okay. Well, I will delete that page then because that makes no sense to reference that. But so apologies for that. I think I did see you tweet that out, but I wasn't quite sure. But I figured they might have corrected it, but I guess not. But regardless, Matt, you know, we saw from Caden Hauser, some of those throws, it's just going to be from a young buck. But we saw the Malik Carr, the checkdowns, the, uh, you know, just being that number one target that was so big in this game to have a young quarterback and kind of have that safety blanket. And Carr, he's played four years, but he played during 20 at Purdue, right? So he does have another year left, at least, on paper. Yeah, I mean, so I would just anticipate – this is just my guess. Would that it would be that he'll 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 declare after the season just because he's going to test like crazy, you know? I mean, a guy like with that skill set. Um, that, that's just my guess. He hasn't said anything to that effect. But, you know, he wanted to – he was ready to leave for the NFL after uh, the 2022 season. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's – if, if he can put together on a consistent basis with, you know, that kind of performance, then, yeah, I mean, he, he looks like he's an NFL player, but he needs to show it um, more regularly. Um, and uh, what the hell was your other question when you bring up? I, it's completely blank. I didn't really. But what is – what I guess what is the significance of winning a trophy for this team? I mean, is there any? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, – trophy or not, I mean, a win is a win, and, you know, this team, this team is stuck together amid – really difficult circumstances, obviously all year. And, and obviously again, and repeating it every week, you know, not, not quitting. They showed up and, and so the trophy is just like that little physical, you know, the tangible little symbol of a win. Uh, the bowling trophy up for grabs on, on Friday is a uh, good Lord. That thing is so. Don't disrespect is, it. Yeah. Don't disrespect it. We do this every year. <laughs> I know we do it every year, but the thing's atrocious. So, but to his credit, Kyle leaned into it. He ranked the rivalry, Big Ten rivalry trophies. Uh, I think it was last year, and he he put Land Grant number one. He wasn't he wasn't gonna let the haters uh, win. Why did you rank it number one, Kyle? Why is it so beautiful, the Land Grant Trophy? Of course, I should say that's what Michigan State, Penn State play for this weekend at Ford Field, but. Uh, what is so great about that trophy that just made you have to put it number one, Kyle? Yeah, I was either going to put it number one or dead last. Uh, there was no in-between with that trophy because you either love it or you hate <laughs> it. Um, but I, I love it because it's eccentric and it's different and it's um, um, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. 
Yeah, well, it has its own Twitter account that, you know, people get all excited about every year. It starts popping up around this week and starts gaining some followers and just sending stuff out. Of course, that game won't happen every year uh, after this season with the Big Ten adding four teams and kind of the the year-end rivalry between Michigan State and Penn State going away. But the games at Ford Field this weekend, Matt, I think Penn State's about a three-touchdown favorite, which I guess is less than what it was for the Ohio State games and the in the Michigan games. It probably has a lot to do with Penn State's offense has just been absolutely sputtering. They just fired their offensive coordinator. Drew Alar hasn't really taken that full step that people thought they would. And surprisingly, uh, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton haven't really been able to get it going on the ground. So, I don't know. In at Ford Field, there should be a decent crowd there. I think I'll be. I'll, I'm actually going to be really curious. I'll be there, but I'm I'm really curious to see what the crowd is going to look like uh, there on Black Friday at Ford Field. But I don't. I guess out of like you know when you looked at the the four top ten opponents that Michigan State was facing coming into this season, I guess Penn State looked like the most winnable, at least in my eyes. So I guess how do you handicap their chances this weekend? <laughs> I mean. Ranking which one of those games was most winnable is uh, is not a very fun. It was an interesting way to look at it. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, offensively, they're not this juggernaut. Um, defensively, they're a top five team in the country, you know, and and that's going to be an obvious problem for Michigan State. Those those matchups before haven't worked out quite <laughs> like they would have liked to, obviously. Um, but you know, this is this is a Penn State team that has two losses, and those are both single by single digits to you know at Ohio State and at home against Michigan. So obviously, it's a good, very good defense. It's a good team. And there's never a lack of talent there in Happy Valley. However, the hell that works out, I'll still never understand it. It's so bizarre. But um, yeah, I mean, I, do would I expect Michigan State to to be within a score uh, with you know a few minutes left to go in the fourth quarter? No, but um, you know. Again, these guys, you know, playing for pride, like you said, and and wanna. It might be, you know, Harlan Barnett's last game as as head coach, and I'm sure they're gonna wanna try and send him off with a win. Yeah, and if you get to five and seven, you do have, I guess, an outside distant shot at at getting invited to a bowl. But I'd have to believe that they probably decline, Matt. And that's all speculation. What do you think? I would, I would, it, it would, I would lean that way too. Even if, and I don't think this is gonna happen, but even if they were to somehow get a sneak in the back door if everything fell apart and they needed I don't even I, I haven't done the full APR breakdown like last year because it doesn't look as uh as like as likely but yeah I, I would kind of guess that they wouldn't I mean even last year when they you know they lost to Penn State in the finale to finish five and seven you know and then we asked Mel and he was non-committal about it at the time so I don't know with the new coach coming in assume assumedly the new coach presumably uh yeah I would I would think they just want to Whoever the new coaches come in, save what's left of the recruiting class before the early signing period um, and just go from there, rebuilding the program in, in whatever direction they. You'd be a lot of players that want to move on to probably, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's the other thing. There's a ton of decisions, individual decisions that have to be made. Like, I mean, we just talked to a bunch of guys today and, um, you know, Montori Foster is a leading receiver. He's got a year left. He said he's undecided. Um, Jaron Mangum running back. He's, he's a fifth year guy, but he's got another year and he, he said he's also undecided, but we'll make an announcement soon. So yeah, <laughs> going to be, there's, I would assume going to be uh, a lot of transactional type uh, issues, you know, guys deciding to, to, to go to the NFL or return to Michigan state or to, you know, enter the portal when it's open again and all that stuff. So a lot of, a lot of so much uncertainty with this program after Friday. Well, speaking of the coaching search, Harlan Barnett, I guess, kind of made like his pitch to 
to be considered or get an interview or be around. I mean, I'm sure he'll get an interview just out of, if nothing else, out of courtesy for what he's done this year. But, um, you know, reports out there that Michigan State has kind of narrowed their search down to four guys. A lot of them we talked about on that episode um, when we were throwing out candidates. You know, Harlan, I'm sure, will have his name in the hat. And he sort of made his pitch there, I guess, to be considered. I mean, I guess, first of all, what what chances do you give that Harlan Barnett is coaching this team next year? As the head coach or as an assistant? Yeah, head coach, head coach. I I, I just – I. I think Harlan's a really good guy. Obviously, you know, he knows a ton about football and, you know, successful in his career. I just, I have a hard time seeing it. I think the fan base, everybody has a lot of respect for Harlan and, and you know, his history as a, as a player and, you know, just being the, the person he is. Um, but I, I think that would be, that would not go over very well to say the least. Um, Allen to his credit. I mean, and it's weird. It's a weird dynamic because Harlan and Allen played together in the secondary. Al, you know, Harlan was the older one of the two, you know, and for now it, to be in this situation, it's, it's, it's unique, but Allen's done a, he's, he's kept the search pretty quiet. Um, other than, you know, the urban Meyer stuff floating out there and, and, you know, and there's just like obvious guys you would say would be candidates, you know, and that's just, you know, that's just what it is. But yeah, I, I, I have a hard time seeing that, that Harlan would be the next coach um, just because of, you know, you, you lose your first six to start. And, and look, honest, how many times does this situation work out? I mean, it worked out at Northwestern. That guy did, a you know, an incredible job. And had maybe maybe if Michigan State hadn't blown leads at, at Iowa and Rutgers in the fourth quarter, I mean, if they were a bowl-eligible team already right now, I think you might have, you know, a little more support. Um, but it, it's – it just it just doesn't seem like that will be the case. I think Michigan State of all places knows the danger of hiring the popular interim coach that everyone really likes and the players want them to hire. <laughs> Which like Harlan Barnett, you know, might do a terrific job. I'm not saying that, you know, um he would end up like Bobby Williams, but it's um I don't know, you have you have to be careful of that. And and to me like he was put in a very, very tough situation. Like he wasn't going to go, you know, unbeaten or anything. And though, but just watching them lose the close games and the games they could have won, um, were just kind of too big a marks against him, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of like mental mistakes. It's it's certain coaching errors. Sometimes it's bizarre decisions. Sometimes it's it's bad penalties. You know, guys being out of position. You know. Not to say that's all Harlan's fault, but, you know, that just doesn't reflect good on the head coach. Harlan Barnett's somebody I would love to still be around Michigan State, whether that's in the athletic office, whether that's being an assistant on the new coach's staff, whether that's just being more of a support advisory role. Like, I think Harlan Barnett is a guy that anybody at Michigan State would like to still be involved in athletics or in the program. I just don't think that that's the kind of head coaching hire that you need to kind of reset things and move on from the Mel Tucker era. It's not a hire that's going to necessarily get recruits or fans fired up. So I just think Michigan State is looking to make a little bit more of a splash than that and kind of just wipe the slate clean from what has ended up being kind of a disaster of the Mel Tucker era. So I agree with that. It seems like a long outside shot. But, you know, Michigan State fans, I would not – don't be too quick to blame everything that's happened this year on Harlan Barnett or even some of the staff. I mean, they, they were put in a really tough spot. And, I, you know, the fact that they've been able to win some games here, I think, says a lot about their character and their ability as coaches. But obviously, fans, alumni, former players are going to expect more from Michigan State's program than what they've had. Um, anything else on football? I know there's names out there for the coaches, but it's kind of just been reported, speculative. So I don't know if we need to get into that and, and say like who we think might be the best fit or we just wait and move on to basketball. What do you guys think? 
I think you can move on to hoops. I mean, we'll just be repeating. Well, I, I, oh, go ahead, Kyle. The basketball writer wants to talk football. The football writer. <laughs> no, I do. And, and it's not about specific names. I think the one thing you need to hope for if you're a Michigan State fan is that m- trustees and administrators aren't waiting to get a president in place before they move on this. Um, because I worry that that's a possibility. And... Um, that's, I mean, you were the first job to open. That was your best advantage that you had. And if you're going to be waiting and letting other schools scoop up good candidates and moving closer to the portal opening, moving closer to early signing day without a coach, um, you don't want to do that. Um, so that's the only thing I'll say. Um, I don't know who's the best coach to hire, who's a good coach, who's a bad coach, but I know waiting past a lot while past Monday and trying to get a presidential search done before you hire a head football coach is a bad idea. Yeah, anything involving Michigan State's Board of Trustees falls in the this category. This could all go sideways in a hurry. Um, so, yeah, I know what Kyle said 100%. You know, they need a new – I would be thrilled if after the game, Alan just – they do the post-game presser and then Alan just like, oh, and by the way, here's your new head coach. And, yeah, and we just go <laughs> from there. We can, we can keep yeah. it uh, – we can condense it and, and, and move on that. But, yeah, they need to have a guy uh, like in a week or so. Like they, you know, yeah, because to your point, more and more and more schools are opening up. I mean, Syracuse just fired Dino Baber, so like competition is getting more and more, you know. And no, I was just gonna say, your advantage, like Kyle said, was you had the longest runtime. Well, Northwestern, I guess, had the longest runtime, but you, you know, you were right, they already filled it, but they got lucky that close, though. <laughs> yeah, you were right there with them, and, and, and so you've had all that time to kind of sort through the sort through the pile and, and narrow down your list and, and move on from there. And now, you know, just like you said, the there's just more competition. It really does seem we're like trending towards like the season ends and a press release is sent out. Like or Pete Thamel or somebody like tweets it out because it's like oh, it's been so quiet, you know, like it doesn't seem like we're gonna have some sort of it's really just all of a sudden gonna emerge, which I guess is kind of how it happened with Mel too. But uh we'll see. We'll see. It's a hot topic of conversation and has been for a while. So it'll be nice if we can finally close the book on the coaching search and kind of move forward with someone else. Uh, speaking of moving forward, Michigan State basketball, Kyle, they're, they're doing a little better than the last time we talked about uh, about them after the Duke loss. They've won two in a row. Um, you know, I would say not perfect, but comfortable win against Butler, a Big East program, 20 points at the Breslin Center. Uh, finally got their shooting going a little bit in that game. Uh, you know, saw Malik call, string together back-to-back pretty solid games. Tyson Walker, um, you know, playing through some stuff. Didn't play against Alcorn State, but then they come out and they, and they blow out a team that they should on Sunday with – some of the greatest highlights I've ever seen <laughs> in the Breslin Center. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I guess they're back up to 22 in Ken Palm now. The shots are starting to fall, and the defense is top 10. So, you know, I, I think the Spartans have kind of rounded into form a little bit ahead of another big game against Arizona on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I don't know how good the last two teams they played are. Well, I know Alcorn State's not very good. Um, Butler had won three games comfortably against lower level competition. So they were kind of a question mark, which we talked about last week. Um, I'm not sure they're going to end up being very good, but a 20 point win against the big East team is a 20 point win against the big East team. So I thought they looked better. Um, I thought, I think some other guys are kind of slowly coming around. Like, I, I don't know, think like the lights come on for AJ Hogard and Jade Nakins, but I think they're, they're starting to look better than they did the first week of the season, at least. Um, Malik Hall um, looks good. And, and Tyson Walker really um, has just been very, very steady for the Michigan State. very fortunate that uh, he is who he is because they, outside of him, it's been a lot of up and down. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I think in the, in the big picture, he sat out Sunday 
I think that's probably a good thing for them in the big picture because they learned how to play without him and they got to do it against a team that uh, was pretty manageable. Uh, obviously a big game for um, Trey Holloman. He came out and hit five threes. <laughs> Where so. did that come from? Well, that was crazy. I mean, they told us, he, you know, he was shooting well, but, you know, they tell us a lot of guys are shooting well in practice. So, um, but, you know, some guys, some guys rise to the occasion when they get it. You know, he got inserted into the starting lineup. I wasn't sure if it would be him or Fears, frankly, that he put in there, but he goes with uh, the older guy in Holloman and uh, credit to him. I mean, he, he got his opportunity unexpectedly, very short notice and, um, and made the most of it. And, you know, I, it almost seemed like at times, um, and you might disagree, but it almost seemed like at times that there were maybe one too many in the rotation as far as guards. It's like, were there enough reserve guard minutes for Trey Holloman and Jeremy Fears? And I was kind of wondering, like, okay, you know, what's, is Trey going to have this role long term or is Jeremy Fears going to rise up? But um, he, he looked like a guy on Sunday that's going to need to see significant minutes all year. If he can shoot like that, if you've got guys in the starting lineup that aren't hitting it, if you can bring Trey off the bench and he can be a microwave type of guy and hit a couple shots, uh, that would be very, very big for them. Because for as good as Jeremy Fears has been, he he's not that guy right now. No, I, I think I agree. I mean, I think that was one of the questions coming into the year was you look like you have five guards who can play. And really, you you know, you start three and you have one rotation guard and so far, Fears and Holloman have kind of been splitting those minutes, and I think we were kind of confused, like, how is he going to play all these guys? And I do think there is something to do, too, with Izzo, with his substitution patterns. And I, I see smart people online who follow the Big Ten talk about this stuff, you know, former players, former coaches, and they, they do talk about Izzo's rotations and his subbing patterns and it almost being too hockey-like and too constant for, for guys to kind of get in a flow. I mean, this isn't new. Lineup conversations have always been, rotation conversations have always been part of being a Michigan State fan, and Tom Izzo usually figures it out, but he does have a lot of options right now, and I do think there might be something to that. You know, last year we saw when he kind of slimmed down the rotation kind of out of necessity, you, know, you had three guys playing 30 minutes a game, and we saw them kind of get into a flow. So there is something to it, but it's a tough question because – these guys do need minutes and you can't really bench everyone. So, you know, I don't think Tyson Walker being out long-term would be a good thing for Michigan state, but you're right that we did kind of get to see a little bit of a, a different mix and match in this game, especially against Alcorn. Yeah. And you know, it's always a conversation this time of year, especially because um, he's playing as many guys as he can and try to figure out what he's got. And, doesn't feel like we're usually talking about it in late January and February because um, maybe not quite as much as, as last year, but most years it does get slimmed down um, a little bit and they are riding their key guys a little bit more. So um, we're kind of in the, the feel things out phase of the season right now. And uh, I, I don't think the rotation is going to look in late January, early February, exactly like it does now. Uh, Carson Cooper ends up taking over the starting job last week for Mati Sissoko we've talked about it. I'm not sure how much it matters. I mean, that was a, t a change that we talked about too. You know, maybe they are getting a little bit off to a little better starts, at least last week they were, but you know, they both have to play so many minutes. I'm not sure it really matters. Maybe when Jackson Kohler gets back, who the starter is matters a little bit more. I'll say that. Yeah, that, um, I expect, like I put that in my season predictions, a little, little pat on the back for myself that, that that would happen at some point, but I did not expect it to happen, um, that quickly. Um, I mean, I think people who watched the Duke game thought that Carson Cooper was the better center in that game and the better option, but Izzo was usually 
not so quick on the trigger um, with those types of things, for better or for worse. But, um, you know, credit to Cooper. He's played well. Uh, I thought he's done pretty well the last couple games. Hasn't um, really, really stood out or anything. But um, I think he's been good, and I think they started better. I mean, that was kind of the main reason for it. Because like you said, I mean, Cooper's not playing 30 minutes a game. You're not cutting Mati Sissoko down to 10 or anything. So um, it's going to be a modest change in terms of minutes. But they didn't like the way that they were starting out games the first five minutes. So And they felt like Cooper would um, maybe have a little bit more energy and maybe give them a little bit of a boost those first five minutes. And, and that's happened like the last couple of games. So I think that's accomplished what they wanted it to. And Madi looks better to me too. You know, I mean, he mm-hmm. has a couple more under control, low post buckets. I mean, he's never going to be like a consistent low post threat, but you know, six rebounds against Butler, uh, had a steal, you know, so he, and then, uh, yeah, against Alcorn, like I said, some low post stuff. So he just seems like he's, he's just kind of staying within himself a little bit more not having the pressure of having to come out at the start of the game. Jackson Kohler, he's getting closer. So we'll see how kind of he meshes in when, when things are available, you know, Booker's still kind of trying to feel himself out too. Have you ever seen a Duncan person better than that Cohen car dunk? No, I wish it was on my end. Uh, uh, cause it was on the opposite end, but, um, no, I mean that, uh, it was, it wasn't even, we were even debating like wh- whether it was technically a dunk because he was so far away. He almost kind of like threw it in. I mean, I'm still counting it as a dunk. Um, but like, that's how far away he was from the basket. But like, he, like, he pushed that guy like a foot, like in midair, just being like that much stronger than him going up. And, um, no, it was probably the most unbelievable dunk. There's probably a recency bias, but it, it felt like the most unbelievable dunk that I've ever seen. Um, just for how powerful it was. And yeah, I mean, the unfortunate, you know, we asked about it afterwards and he's like, yeah, usually guys don't go up with me um f- for that reason and i think um i think defenders of uh cohen car go- going forward are probably not going to give him that opportunity lest they be on the other side of that but it was certainly a fun thing to watch can i can i pose a question to you guys what was the the more spectacular individual play cars dunk montori foster's touchdown grab or malik Carr's second touchdown grab i think you got to say car because it won him the game you know i, I don't know I guess if you're just talking tape, the dunk is crazy, but... Yeah, they're totally different things. Like, like Carr was, like, all power, you know, like, Foster's was just amazing, you know, hand-to-eye sort of stuff. Um, so I'll, I'll probably cop out on that one and just say they're amazing in, like, different ways. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go with uh, Foster just to split it up. So I think they're... I agree. They're all great, great plays. We accomplished absolutely nothing on that segment. But thank you for that, Matt. That was a good question, actually. I like that. Um, let's see. I gotta, I gotta contribute a little bit to basketball. Yeah. What'd you make of the Pierre Brooks stuff? Um, I, I didn't get it, honestly. Um, if, if you're talking about like the, yeah. the fan treatment of him, um, I mean, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think that was just kind of fans, fans being fans. fans. I don't think anyone actually dislikes Pierre though. No, you know, Pierre didn't give anybody any reason to dislike him. Um, he didn't, you know, he didn't say anything on the way out. Um, he didn't say anything leading up to the game. Um, you know, obviously nobody blamed him when they booed Hunter Dickinson last year because Hunter Dickinson gave him plenty of reason. Um, Pierre Brooks wasn't in the playing rotation most of the end of last year. Like, no one should blame him for leaving. Um, so, I mean, the thing is, like, it didn't seem to bother him. He, I thought he actually played pretty well. Um, but, and, and, you know, in the Portal era, like, this is going to keep happening. Um, so I think I think fans should, um, and I think most of them probably do, but I think every fan should realize that, like, there's no animosity in the vast majority of these situations. It's just, hey, didn't work out here. You're going to go try somewhere else. 
So, mm-hmm. and he had a nice dunk too over Colin he Carr, did. which was yeah. real impressive. And uh, yeah, I think defense and, and just consistency is going to continue to be an issue with Pierre Brooks, but he's going to play a lot more for Butler, and um, I'm happy for him. I, I think most Michigan State fans, despite you know the booze and the, the slight razzing that you might have heard, I, I think the majority of Michigan State fans are absolutely rooting for Pierre Brooks from this point forward. So yeah, like uh, I would understand more like a like if a Keon Coleman came back, like, like right. if he got booed, like I would understand that because it's like you're on the top of your game and you leave for someplace better. Like he left because he wasn't playing, so I, I don't think you should blame blame him for that. Yeah. I agree. Briefly on the Arizona game, and then we'll get out of here. You know, it's it's one of the biggest games on, you know, it's feast week, so you got tournaments going on, but Michigan State and Arizona kind of in this standalone game out in California. Kyle will be there, but uh, it's two marquee programs. Arizona leads the series 5-2. to two. The last two games have been in Hawaii. I think one is when they played on that um, was it a, was it a base or something that they played at, I think against Arizona, and yeah, then yeah, before yeah. that was in the Maui Invitational. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so that's that's kind of the last two. That's been a little bit though since sixteen since they played each other. Arizona has a win against Duke already, so this is kind of like the the third leg of I guess the uh, the round robin between uh, Duke, Arizona, and Michigan State there. But uh, they're top ten in defensive and offensive efficiency. They look like one of the best teams in the country right now. I guess when you look at the matchup, yeah, they have Caleb Love. Yeah, they have Kylan Boswell. He's kind of a sophomore who's taking the step forward at point guard, but. It's the size, I think, Kyle, and the rebounding, and especially on the offensive rebounding where Arizona's top five in the country right now. That's where I'd be concerned if I was Michigan State because Umar Bello, uh, they've got a couple huge Lithuanian guys. They always seem to have these foreign guys. I don't know where how Arizona always pulls these guys, but uh, I guess Arizona's size would be the main concern for Michigan State. Yeah, that's a that's a Tommy Lloyd thing. He was at uh, he was an assistant at Gonzaga, and Gonzaga's historically gotten a lot of um, foreign guys, so he kind of brought that to Arizona. Uh, but yeah, I mean Umar Balo, their starting center, seven foot two sixty. Krivas, I'm not gonna try his first name. Krivas is their um, their backup center, seven two two sixty. There's a reason I didn't go there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but point being, at every point in the game, there is going to be a dude who is seven foot plus, two hundred sixty pounds in the game, um, and that's not going to see that very much. Um, uh, so, huge test for Carson Cooper and Mighty Sissoko. You know, we heard all summer about those guys working hard, getting stronger. Um, probably with Zach Eady in mind, a lot of it. But here's kind of, I guess, maybe a little warm up for Zach Eady. These guys aren't as skilled as he is, but they um, they're just as big and strong. Um, so can they slow these guys down enough? Um, can they do it without fouling, uh, which will be big? Um, and uh, or does Michigan State really need to help off? And if they need to help off a lot, I mean, Arizona certainly has. Um, the perimeter players to make them pay. Um, although I don't think making Caleb Love shoot um, 16, 17 times a game is necessarily a bad strategy. Um, so it's going to be a really big test for them. I mean, we, we went to practice today's Tuesday. We went to practice on Monday and it was, it was pretty intense. And, and Tom Izzo was, was very locked in. It felt like more like a late season sort of thing. Um, talking a lot about guys taking plays off, you know, effort related issues, which, you know, it's surprising that we're kind of talking about this with a team that has, you know, four seniors and a junior in its starting lineup. But um, uh, he's really kind of harping on that and harping on his leadership. Um, and um, that that's kind of what he's focusing on. But it, it, it had a different sort of vibe. Not an often you have that sort of vibe in November because they're they're putting a lot into this game. 
I think Michigan State will be ready to play in this one. But, two, I mean, they're going to have to make threes. They're still outside the 300s in three-point shooting. They're 262 in free-throw shooting, which might be even more surprising, Kyle. Like, free-throws do continue to still be an issue. And if you get into these closer games, like, like even Tyson Walker is missing free-throws. And last year, he was just, like, automatic. That's been the weirdest thing. It was, like, automatic. Yeah. Like, I would close my eyes and hear the switch. So, it seems a little bit mental with that. But I, I think the biggest key is they have to run, Kyle. They can't get bogged down in this half-court offense against a team like Arizona. And I know they haven't run that much this year. But when Michigan State is right, it's defend, rebound, run. And they're getting those easy buckets. And A.J. Helgard's getting downhill and getting to the basket or kicking it out for open threes in transition. I mean, that's how Michigan State wants to play. That's how they are most successful when they're playing. And when you're going against a team with a lot of size and a lot of length, I just feel like getting that running game going is is huge for success. But how do you feel about that? No, I, I agree. And I thought that they I thought that they ran better on Sunday um, than they have most of the year, which is which is a good sign. But, you know, maybe Elkhorn State's a little bit easier to run on. So um, yeah, that that's that's got to be a that's got to be a priority for them. Um, and you know, if you're going to run, I feel like we we always keep coming back to the same thing. But it, it's got to be AJ Hogard pushing it, finding guys, getting guys in good spots, um, and and just making that happen. And um, he's played better. Um, like I think I said earlier, um, I, I think he's played consistently better. But I still think he's a pretty decent ways from where he's shown he can be and where he can be this year. And if um, if Thursday is the game where it clicks for him then yeah I think they've got a real shot because they were they weren't that far off against Duke when they shot horrendously in the first half so if they shoot the way that they can and AJ Hogarth plays well I mean I do think they have a, a shot at this one four o'clock uh on Fox I think it's right after the Lions game right so yeah so it'll be on Fox yeah. it'll be just leave your TV on Lions right into Michigan State it's pretty cool oh that's pretty nice for fans in Michigan there uh, on Thanksgiving get your bellies full a little sports double dip, Michigan State, little appetizer, uh, or I guess it's dessert uh, on Black Friday uh, at night. Get, that game's on NBC from Ford Field. I'll be there. Matt will be there. And Kyle will be out in sunny California. So enjoy that, Kyle. That will do it, I think, for today's episode. We will be back next week to recap all the Thanksgiving action. Uh, but until then, for Kyle Lawson and Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Happy Thanksgiving and go green.